The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Mary, we're shooting the scene with the foal on Thursday. Do we know if the mayor has given birth yet? Uh, no, no foal yet. God. We're going to end up with a goat. <laughs> I don't want a goat. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we'll share the pros and cons of shooting a pilot in L.A. We really thought there were only pros, but yeah. we were wrong. We have discovered otherwise. There are definitely cons, and they're not insignificant. We're also going to talk to Diane Sanfilippo, author of Practical Paleo and the 21-Day Sugar Detox. I am, of course, very excited about this. Then we've got a listener Hollywood hack to keep you punctual. I'm all about being on time, as you are, Sarah, so this <laughs> appeals to me. Yes. And in our celebrity sighting segment, we'll talk about how we've had a ton, a plethora, oodles of celebrity sightings in the last few weeks and why we decided they kind of don't count. Yeah. All right. So, Liz, first up is our segment from the treadmill desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, it's doing a pilot in L.A. versus out of town. Yes. So we have shot pilots in Los Angeles, Vancouver, Budapest, and New York. Yes. So we've been all around the world shooting. Yeah. Our first pilot was in L.A. and a few days in San Francisco. And Which that was, was nice. back in 2007. And we haven't shot a pilot here since. Yeah. So we were thrilled, elated, walking on air, beyond excited when we found out our ABC pilot, The Fix, with Marsha Clark, would be filming in Los Angeles. But... Yes, there's always a but. We are starting to realize there are some drawbacks to shooting at home. Yes. Now, should we talk about the good things first? Yes. Okay. Because there are many good things. So many. Um, well, at least all the things we thought were going to be good, and some of them really are. The main one is shooting at home means being able to live our regular lives. Yes, and sleeping in our own beds, even yeah. if it's not a lot of sleep. <laughs> at least it's in our own beds. Yeah. And a lot of days, you know, depending on our schedule, we can drop off our kids at school. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have that routine. I went for weeks without seeing Jack. Um, yeah. When we were in New York, I didn't see him at one point for a full three weeks. Yeah. I mean, aside from FaceTime. That's hard. Yeah. And Hungary, you had a big chunk of time without Hung him, too. Yes. Um, that was brutal. As you yeah. know, I got—he was really little then, and, yeah. I mean, I got, like, so depressed about yeah. it. Um, and weekends. If you're in L.A., your weekends are just kind of like they are when you're not shooting a pilot, except with a lot more emails and phone yeah. calls and that kind of thing. But, you know, you're still able to do all your regular family activities and, you know, life with kids. Yeah, you can still go to a birthday party. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were, you know, shooting out of town. I couldn't come back, obviously, when we were in Budapest, but Vancouver and New York. Also, I would, like, fly back Ugh. for a weekend. And it was exhausting, you know, because obviously I wanted to see Jack. So yeah. not having that exhaustion of, like, long flights, like taking a red eye back and forth is a huge advantage. And that exposure to sickness during flu season. Yes. Um, and there's also just something sort of relaxing about knowing the city and knowing the town. Like, 
we're doing all this location scouting. And, and if you're shooting out of town, it's you're constantly in a van hustling from here to there, and you don't feel like you're totally familiar with everything. Here, it's like if someone tells us we're shooting in Malibu, we totally get that. Yeah, or we were talking about what kind of house do we want for our main character, yeah. Maya. It was like, all right, should it be in Laurel Canyon? Should it be in Echo Park? Yeah. Should it be in Santa Monica? It's like we know all these neighborhoods. We know what the houses there look like, what they yeah. f- the neighborhoods feel like. So we're able to just contribute more. Yeah, the learning curve is a lot less steep. Yeah. And then, of course, it's great, like, not having to uproot our kids. Now, yeah. Jack is at a point where he cannot leave, you know, for six weeks. He's yeah. just got to be in school. But you've always taken Violet with you on pilots. Yes. I took her to Hungary when she was a baby. She was seven months to nine months old. That was insanity. It really was. It was crazy. And then I also took her to New York. Yeah. We shot in New York. And she has a great time. I mean, she absolutely loved it. And she's like, Mom, I want to live in an apartment in New York. And, you know, but... It's just, I mean, it's so much nicer for her to just be at home and for me to just be at home. Yeah. And let me remind you, like, when she, when you took her to these places, then you had to outfit them completely for a child. So you had to do, like, baby proofing. You had to, I remember the place you were staying in New York, you're like, they don't have trash cans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, you had, like, I was just staying at a hotel. Right. Getting room service frankly living quite a nice decadent life and you were like buying trash bags yeah no you have to set up a whole household (laughs) i already have that in la (laughs) yes um it's also easier to eat better i mean like i know for me when as soon as i'm at a hotel it's like my brain says indulge yeah so it's not a pretty picture. Right. Here, we're, again, because even though it's not our regular routine, it sort of resembles our regular life, we're able to, like, order lunch from places where we know they have healthy salads. Mm-hmm. We're not in the habit of, like, snacking at work. So, you know, yeah. unhealthy snacking at work. Right. So we're not as apt to do that. Mm-hmm. And then when we go home at night, it's, like, our usual thing. And we have our family. We're not, like, alone well, you haven't been alone, but, like, for me, I'm not alone in a hotel room right. with nothing to do but, like, raid the mini bar. And I'm not going, like, ooh, that banana split on the room service menu looks delicious. Right, right. Also, it's really fun because when you're shooting in L.A., people can come to set. Yes. It's like they can come and they have when we're out of town. Like, maybe an agent will venture forth. <laughs> but, like, friends are not going to fly to Budapest to right. visit set. So, and... And, like, it's fun. Like, Jack can come to set. Adam yeah. can come to set easily. I'm know? a little worried about Violet deciding to take over the set. Yes. I'm like, she may not be able to come. <laughs> she doesn't understand why she's not the lead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or probably why she has to be quiet when they yell action. Exactly. Uh, but it is, it's fun having visitors because it's such an air of excitement and festivity if things are going well. Yeah. If you're really behind, then it gets very tense. Right. Yeah. And then, Sarah, just on a practical level, our show takes place in Los Angeles. Right. So the fact that we can just shoot Los Angeles for Los Angeles is so fantastic. Yeah. Because I don't know if people realize that many, 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 many times when you're watching a show, it doesn't actually, it's not actually shot in the city where it's set. So right. you're shooting Toronto for New York. You're shooting Vancouver for L.A. Mm-hmm. You're shooting, you know, Budapest for 
all, you know, Fictional whatever. Land. <laughs> um, so just that we can show Los Angeles is so great and give such value, production value to our pilot. Yeah, it really does. Um, now, while shooting in L.A. is definitely comfortable and easier and there are tons of benefits, there are also, we've discovered a lot of benefits to shooting out of town. Yes, well, like for you, childcare is a big issue. Yeah. When we went to Hungary, I brought my parents. My dad and my stepmom came and they stayed the entire time. So, so they were I always available to babysit. Always had backup. And then when we went to New York, my nanny came the entire time. So I never had to worry about being late on set. I never had to worry about the incredibly early call times. You know, there was another bedroom and another person sleeping there to be with Violet. Yeah. And that is totally different here. You know, now I have to really think about childcare every single day and at weird hours. It's not our normal schedule. Yes. And it can change. So it's like you think, oh, I'm going to be home at 7, and then suddenly it's like, no, actually I'm going to be home at 11 p.m., and you have to press, you know, your nanny yeah. to stay. Please, and, Estella, can you yes, stay? Yeah. And it, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Now, I this is where I know you love being um, an only parent, but this is where not being an only parent is nice because yes. I have Adam for backup. And he just sort of knows right now he's on call. And yeah. He's very cool about that. And um, so I really don't worry at all yeah. about that. So for me, it's not an issue. Well, and now when we're shooting, we at least know what our hours are in advance. Yes. When we're editing in a few weeks, it's Ooh. a completely different beast. Everything gets much more, I mean, it, there's no regular schedule to editing. Yeah. So your parents, are they going to come for that? Yeah. I think my parents are going to come. And if not, my aunt is going to come. And so I'm going to try to have some backup. But it's, you know, you have to really think ahead. Do you remember when we were editing um, our selection pilot <laughs> yes. and it like we sat down, we watched a cut. You said, let me go make a call. And you basically called your dad and said, <laughs> Dad, I need you to get in the car and drive to L.A. <laughs> yeah. this afternoon. And yes. he did. And, and your yes. stepmom did. God but, bless them. They did. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Bob and Anna. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is, like, when you're shooting a pilot and you're out of town, it's super social. Yes. Everyone's out of their environment. So you're constantly going to dinner. You're going to lunch. You're meeting in the hotel bar for drinks. Yes. It's When you're shooting in L.A., that just goes away. Yes. I mean, we haven't had one dinner yet. No. We haven't gone to a hotel bar. Even Larissa, our director, who's in from Toronto, I mean, she's staying at an Airbnb. She's not even staying at a hotel. Right. So it really does, like, remove that sort of festive, out-of-town kind of surreal element. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a fun thing to just take a break from real life and do something. It's such an adventure. Yes. And you're getting to know another city, which is fun. That is so fun. Like, you lived in New York. I never lived in New York. It was great for me to be in New York for five weeks. Is that how long we were there? You know, like, what an amazing experience. And for me, New York was nice because I have a lot of friends there. So, like, I was going out for drinks with my friends. So, you uh, you know, that was great. Yeah. Of course, here's the worst thing about Los Angeles, shooting in Los Angeles. It's expensive. 
so expensive. Like yes. the reason people go to Vancouver is because there are great tax breaks there. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can get a tax break in LA, but it's a whole procedure. You may not get it. It's 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 a different thing. If you go to certain cities where they have these tax breaks built in, I mean you're getting 30% more or something for your money. Yeah. So yes, you don't get to shoot the locations. You're not, you know, shooting Malibu Beach, but you have a lot more money. So mm-hmm. it's a trade-off. Yeah, you get more time to shoot. Yeah. So what, though, if you have to look at it overall, balancing all of these issues, are you still glad we're shooting in L.A.? I'm a little torn, honestly, because this is the last year that I could have taken Violet mm. somewhere out of town. Oh, that makes sense. Next year, she's starting school. And I'll, you know, be in your position where Mm -hmm. she has to stay in school and won't be able to travel with me. So for this one last pilot, I think it would have been fun. But overall, I'm happy to be home. I'm happy we get the production value of L.A. And I'm glad that I get to take Violet to her birthday party this weekend. Yes. I mean, I am thrilled that we're here. Even though, yes, there are downsides, being able to see Jack totally outweighs any yeah. downside. It totally outweighs not having martinis in the hotel bar. <laughs> in the I get place to, bar. Yeah. Even if I get home late, I can, like, get in bed and snuggle with Jack. Yeah. When he goes to college, Sarah, we'll, like, do a pilot in um, Thailand. Oh, that sounds good. You know, when the kids are gone, yeah, we'll go venture forth. Excellent. I mean, ultimately, it really just comes down to it's an L.A. show and it has to be shot here. It but, really does. But we are a bit nostalgic for the pilots we've done in faraway places. And I have to say, the only pilot we've made that actually went to series was shot in L.A. So maybe L.A. is our good luck charm. I think it is. I hope so. (laughs) Next up, an interview with nutrition and health goddess Diane Sanfilippo. But first, an ad break. Okay, Sarah, now it's time for Take a Hike, in which we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. And today, it's physical health. Yes, and I am, like, beyond thrilled because, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Diane Sanfilippo. Her Practical Paleo Cookbook is one of my favorites, and I followed her 21-day sugar detox plan in January, which got my year of no sugar uh, off to a great start. And many of our listeners decided to go on their own sugar-free journeys as well. Yes, and we know that because we talked about Diane's 21-day sugar detox in episode 36 and got a huge response. If you don't already know, Diane Sanfilippo is the owner and founder of Balanced Bites. She's a certified nutrition consultant and a New York Times bestselling author of Practical Paleo, The 21-Day Sugar Detox, and co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. She writes for her popular health blog, BalancedBites.com, and is co-host of the top-rated weekly health podcast, The Balanced Bites Podcast. That's how you found Diane. That's right. Diane, welcome. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, So as I have already mentioned, I love Practical Paleo, which is your cookbook. I have both editions. (laughs) Um, Amazing. Thank you. (laughs) But not everyone knows what paleo is. Can we start with you just kind of telling our listeners what it means to be paleo? Yeah, sure. So the paleo diet is essentially eating real whole nutrient-dense foods where we're eating mostly meat, seafood, eggs, nuts, and seeds, obviously tons of vegetables, fruits, and avoiding things like grains, legumes, dairy, and processed sugars. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room in there depending on who you ask, but that's the basic uh, outline of the paleo diet. 
So it's not like you have to like go back and eat like the original caveman <laughs> right. kind of thing. No, not at all. And I think, you know, over the last, I would say six to eight years, even if you do a couple Google searches for paleo diet recipes, you'll see it's obviously very colorful and just, you know, normal food, you know, it's just real food without a lot of the processed stuff. It's definitely not as meat heavy as a lot of people mm. like to assume, you know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just real food. So I listened to your podcast also. And one of the things I love about you is that you're not like an everyone must eat this exact way kind of person. <laughs> My impression is that you really think everyone's body is different and everyone has their own path and you want to help people really figure out what what works best for them. Is that accurate? Uh, absolutely. So as a nutrition consultant, I definitely know and believe that we all have something different that will work for us. I do believe that you know, in the general confines of real food, right? Like I I think at some point we all got to realize that a Twinkie is not food. And (laughs) I think that that's a good place to be, you know, where you're in a gas station and there are things that you will consider and there are things that you will not consider. (laughs) Uh, Now, Diane, you were recently on a book tour for your new book, The 21 Day Sugar Detox, which really helped Sarah because she's doing a year of no sugar and that was her kickoff point. How did you decide to do this book? You know, why did you think people needed it? So this is a third book in the series, and I originally created the program back in early 2010. So we're going back almost a decade now since I created the program originally. And over the last four or five years, so the first two books came out, first it was an ebook in 2010, then the first two books came out at the end of 2013. And then I've been sitting and ruminating and watching and listening to my community and what they've been up to. And what the sort of pain points were, not just in I'm changing my food and that's difficult, but in really in those moments, like how can I help you through those moments better? How can I give you information on a need to know basis? That was my really big, like I remember it from Al Pacino Incent of a Woman where he says all information will be given on a need to know basis. But I think it's a military <laughs> expression. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think a lot in movie quotes, which I'm sure I'm in good company with that. And so the daily guide is really taking people through one day at a time, not only a full week before the detox, throughout the detox, and then a full week after, so that each day it's just let's center around what's happening today instead of kind of spinning out, you know, freaking out, oh, no, three weeks of this, or white-knuckling it through, which I used to see people do a lot where it's just, you know, follow the yes-no list and, okay, is is this compliant or not? It's really about tuning in and centering and saying like, okay, how do I feel today? What's going on? And adding a space in this new book for journaling, which I know you guys have talked about journaling in a lot of different ways, but it's really important to not just take my rules, but to apply them to your life. And that small amount, literally five to 10 minutes of jotting down notes in a day will promote a lot of introspection, which I think is extremely critical to applying these nutrition changes in a way that means something to you for the rest of your life. Otherwise, you're just, well, I did that for three weeks and now it's over, you know, and I really want people to learn something. So yeah, and I think it's such an emotional thing. Anything related Mm. to food is emotional. I think especially giving giving up sugar is emotional. Mm. So it's great that you kind of provide comfort for people as they're going through that. And also empowerment. There's a 21 Day Sugar Detox Facebook group, mm-hmm. and people post lots of questions there. And one of your most common answers is, did you look this up yourself? 
<laughs> which I think is so great because you really, it seems, want people to be able to make their own decisions. Uh, uh, Diane, we have received so many questions from our listeners for you, speaking of questions, because we said you were going to be on the podcast. So if you don't mind, we'd like to um, ask a few of them. Oh, please. So Saria asked, what does giving up sugar mean? Is there a standard? Mm. So for the 21-day sugar detox, what you're not including will be any types of sweeteners. So anything that comes in a packet or pourable, none of it, even if it doesn't have calories, none of those are included. And you're also not eating refined grain flour foods. So you can have some depending on what level of the program you're doing. And it's obviously all detailed, not only in the book, but I also do have some free resources um, at 21daysugardetox.com. But you can eat some whole grain foods. And I know that sounds crazy from this woman who's written a book about the paleo diet, but there's definitely a place for some of that depending on which level you're on. So no sweeteners, very limited fruit. Uh, There Mm. are a few fruits that you're including and I choose them because they're more sour than sweet or more starchy than sweet, not because of a certain carb count and no alcohol. Mm. (laughs) So we have a really hard line at that. And, you know, as you both know, I was in 19 cities over the course of 30 Mm. days. And whenever I talk about that one, people get really stressed out. But look, it's three weeks and I think it's really important. So there are a lot of different reasons for that. But essentially, I do draw a really hard line for this program around all sweeteners and sweet foods. But that doesn't mean I think mango is bad or strawberries are bad. I want your body and your taste buds to adjust so that when you come out of your 21 days on day 22, a bowl of strawberries is actually exciting again. I mean, how cool would that be for that to be exciting versus just a big bowl of ice cream, which look nothing wrong with ice cream now and then. I just want for people to have that adjustment. So there is a hard line and it's just for those three weeks. And I coach you through how to kind of find your own new normal after that and find that balance. That's super cool. And um, so I also want to do a question from Claire. She asked, what do you do for snacks? That is a good question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have tons of snack ideas. And this is Liz to your point or Sarah to your point about the Facebook group. Tons of ideas around snacks because I can come up with a bunch of snack ideas, but sometimes you all have better ideas than I do. But things like beef jerky, nuts, whether they're roasted or raw, we have some 21-day sugar detox approved nut mixes and ways to spice them up and season them up so that they're interesting and not just, you know, a handful of raw almonds all the time (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I know that can get boring. And I know you guys actually talked about spices and how important they are just a few weeks ago. So I absolutely love for people to add cinnamon, for example. That's one that's huge, included in different snacks. And, you know, it really just depends. If you're on level one or two of the program, you're allowed to have full fat dairy. So something like, you know, a string cheese or something to that effect. It's not extremely limiting. But I do want to mention, too, that I encourage people to build a really hearty meal so that you maybe don't need to snack quite as often. I don't want Mm. anyone to be hungry. That's a really important thing. I don't want you to go hungry because what we know about diets is that they fail because you're hungry most of the time. Mm. So if you're hungry, then you're left feeling defeated and stressed out and your body is super stressed. And that's not what this program is about. So having that 
lineup of snacks prepared. That's a lot of what I do in the daily guide in that pre-detox week. You're making things ahead of time so that you're not stuck because being stuck is definitely not where you want to be, where you're looking around like, uh-oh, there are no compliant snacks here. So those are a couple of ideas. Hard-boiled eggs are great. Uh, you know, some carrots and some almond butter, your green apple and almond butter, peanut butter, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we have um, green apples sprinkled with cinnamon yes, almost every day. That's now. our new snack. Yeah. And we love it. Yeah. Um, now, for our listeners who are like listening to this on their earbuds while walking through the grocery store, <laughs> um, what are the top foods with like hidden, not so obvious sugars? Suzanne had this question on, from our Facebook group. So there's a couple that tend to have hidden sugars, and then there's a couple that people don't realize are so loaded with sugar where it might not be quite as hidden. You know, it's like, you know that that thing tastes sweet, but I don't think you realize how much sugar's in there. So I think where we find a lot of hidden sugars are things like pasta sauces and mm. salad dressings. Salad dressings are a pretty bad offender of this. And I think it's mostly because a lot of what's prepackaged and pre-jarred are poor quality ingredients and a little bit of sugar is not only helping as a preservative, but it just makes everything, you know, mm -hmm. taste more appealing to the palate. And we don't, you know, maybe you'll make a honey mustard at home, but you don't typically add sugar to your salad dressings at home, yeah, right? especially with balsamic. It's nice and sweet naturally. So salad dressings and pasta sauces is where sugar can really hide because you didn't expect it to be sweet. But then things like cereals and granola bars, those are some of the worst offenders. And I used to kind of bag on Kashi Golden Crunch a lot. I haven't talked about it a lot in years because I don't know that we're all I don't know. Are people still eating that stuff? Maybe. <laughs> but Kashi Go Lean Crunch, for example, just one cereal. There are a lot of different cereals where the ingredients list includes three to five different types of sweeteners. And they're mm. all spaced out mm -hmm. in the ingredients list. Mm. And I think most of us now know that when you read the list, the first thing listed is what there's the most of and so on until you get to the end of the list. And so what I like for people to consider is what if there were only one sweetener it would probably be the first thing listed in the ingredients, but because they break it up into three or five sweeteners, <laughs> that was amazing. Sneaky. Uh, wow. It's, you know, by weight, I think you would have as much, if not more sweetener than whatever the grain product was. And that's not even mentioning how that grain product obviously converts to sugar in the body as well. So I think that's one place and breakfast is the biggest offender and people just hammer sugar and carbs for breakfast and then are feeling kind of junky all day long as a result. My mom has Alzheimer's and the cereal thing really gets me because she would eat Smart Start every morning for breakfast thinking she was having a good, healthy breakfast and starting off the day in a good way. And if you look at that, I mean, it's just a pile of sugar. I know. It's the and worst thing she could have eaten. It's so heartbreaking. And I think what happened, you know, over the last 30 years or so is that, of course, we were scared away from fat and cholesterol by the American, you know, what we were told as a standard American diet, what we should be eating and what the government told us to eat. But the problem is not only is it not true, when I tell you not to eat sugar and carbs, based on that perpetuated dogma, then everybody becomes paralyzed about what to eat instead, right? right? Yeah. So that's where a program like the 21 Day Sugar Detox really supports people because there's an amount of trust of like, okay, <laughs> this is a proven program. 
hundreds of thousands of people have gone through it. So I'm, I'm going to trust the process and I'm going to get rid of these things. I'm going to eat the eggs and bacon. And then they see what happens in that transformation, not only how they feel, but even in blood work numbers. I mean, triglycerides dropping and all of that. But I think that a lot of that, you know, with people, our parents age, it's hard. It's hard to make changes and it's hard for them to drop any of those fears around something that they held on to for so long, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that this was true. Right. So yeah. that's a tough one. Yeah. It's a real re-education process. Yes. And what about socializing? Because I think that's something that scares a lot of people. Like, how are they going to go out with their friends and have fun if they're trying to maintain a sugar-free lifestyle? So I think that, you know, I cover this in the book a bunch when I talk about things like dining out. And, you know, for the most part, it takes a lot of forethought. So again, looking at a menu ahead of time, just knowing what you're going to order instead of, you know, calling a lot of attention to what you're doing in the moment, being prepared yeah. ahead of time. I think be prepared also with things like mocktails, knowing that you can walk up to the bar and order something like, you know, soda water with a lime and nobody has to know what's in mm. there. I think there are a lot of ways around it. I also think that people end up meeting and connecting with new people who do share this way of eating or just a healthier lifestyle in general. Maybe somebody starts going to the gym or to, you know, a yoga class or something like that. And you end up having new friends who you can socialize with around your healthy lifestyle. Um, Diane, I don't cook at all. I mean, um, <laughs> I really don't, but I'm trying to eat healthier. Do you have any just go-to easy recipes, like really easy? <laughs> How easy are we talking? Can, uh -huh. can you get a few things and like put spices on something and then put it in the oven? Are we good with that? Uh, <laughs> what is that? Like saucerized? No, I'm like, no. <laughs> what I can mean, you, you buy? Maybe that's a better question. Okay. That's that's cool. I mean, if if you can do something like throw a spice blend, I mean, I have spice blends in my books that you can either make mm -hmm. or you don't have to. I know you guys are exploring spices, but I have spice blends that I also sell that are pre-made. So oh, then it's like, that's good. Yeah. And then you just can grab it. So, I mean, for the people who want to cook something super basic, it's literally like meat or veg plus fat plus spices in the oven. Like that is the easiest way to go. And honestly, that's how we cook most of the time in our house. I share things on Instagram stories all the time. Like here's what we're cooking today. And it's, you know, whole chicken or chicken thighs or chicken breast, whatever it is with fat and spices, boom, in the oven, done. Super, super easy. But if you're going to a grocery store and there's stuff that's pre-made, for example, like if I walk into Whole Foods, which I do very often, especially when I travel, you know, and I was touring for weeks on end, mm -hmm. I would always go to a Whole Foods if there was one because I know what's there. So it's super comforting. And I think keeping it really simple, mm -hmm. here's one thing that I definitely learned from my grandfather back in the day. It's like when you find what you like, especially when it's real healthy food, you don't need to change it up that often if you don't want to. So mm. Liz, if you have 10 foods that are, you know, constantly in a rotation and they work for you, mm -hmm. stick with it. It's okay. I bet all of our grandparents did that. They probably weren't, you know, right. trying to be so creative every minute. It was just like, let me eat the thing I know I like and it's good for me and it feels good. So I think that, you know, feeling pressure to be that creative you know, I don't think we need to feel that just as long as we're doing what's healthy for our bodies. It doesn't have to be Instagram worthy. It really right. doesn't. It really doesn't. 
Diane, it's been so much fun talking to you. This is like the highlight of my month. Yes. Thank you, Diane. Our (laughs) listeners are just going to love this. We're going to hear so much feedback. There's so much great advice. And you you do like amazing work and, you know, just saving lives right and left. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. You really have no idea. I mean, I listen to the show every week while I'm, you know, doing my hair if I shower and do my hair once a week. I'm trying to put clothes on more often. Um, But I listen to you guys and I absolutely love it. And so thanks for being just a fun, engaging show. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Next up, we've got a punctual positive Hollywood hack. But first, a word from our sponsor. Sarah, now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. Yes, and this week's hack comes from Erin, one of our listeners. She told us about the Time Glass app. She wrote, For years, I've been trying to figure out ways to get out the door on time, and it doesn't matter how early I get up or how fast I move through my morning routine. I am always five to seven minutes behind. I bought the app Time Glass. It allows you to set a timer with steps. So before bed, I've been laying out my routine for the following morning. It took some tweaking to figure out exactly how much time I need to shower do my hair, pack my bag, etc. But then it becomes a game. I built a Starbucks trip into the end of the timer, so if I leave on time, I get a treat. Oh, that is a great hack. It really is. I could use this for the very early morning because I get up, like, early so I can go have a cup of coffee and watch CNN. Uh (laughs) But what happens is I spend a little too long drinking my coffee. Right. And then I'm rushing and I'm like screaming at Jack and Adam, get ready, Uh we're late. (laughs) So I need this timer to go off when it's time for me to like leave the living room and go back to the bedroom and start getting ready. Or they need the timer so that when you get back there, they're already into their morning routine. Yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Sarah, you know when this could be helpful is next year, Violet is going to have to get to school a lot earlier, and you may need to sort of, you know, put her on more of a schedule, because right now your mornings are fairly leisurely, because she's an early riser, and she doesn't have to be at school until 9. Yes. But um, that'll be different next year. Next year, year, you're right. We're going to lose an hour and a half, basically, in the mornings. Oh, my God. (laughs) So So terrifying. Yes. I'm going to institute time glass as soon as she goes to kindergarten. And being on time, I know we've said it before, is so important. Like, if we're interviewing someone and they don't show up on time, like, there has to be such a good excuse or, you know, they're out. Yeah. And it can't be like my Uber driver was late. Yeah. No. Plan better. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you, Erin, for a great Hollywood hack. And for our celebrity sighting segment this week. We thought we would switch it up a little bit. Um, in the spirit of pilot season, we have seen so many famous people lately for meetings, casting sessions, but not out and about. Right. They've actually, we've been in a room with them and it's been planned. Yes. <laughs> it's not just a sighting in the wild. Exactly. Now, a lot of casting for a pilot, there are, there are many different layers. There are people you just make offers to and oftentimes that will come with a meeting. Mm-hmm. So you make an offer and then they come in and you talk about the role and they decide if they want to take it or not. And yes. then there are people who really want a role. So they ask for a meeting, hoping to get an offer. Right. And then there are just people who will come in and read. And you would be amazed how many very recognizable, well-known people will just come in to read for a part. Yes. It always shocks me. Yeah. 
Anyway, the point is we've seen a lot of people. Yeah. But it's different from seeing someone out in the world. Yeah. So you're just meeting as sort of peers and colleagues. Right. Um, it's not like, oh, my God, they're here. <laughs> you're like, oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> right. It's just funny how your brain just switches gears yes. from, like, fan to colleague. Yes. And you're just sort of trying to suss out if you want to be working with each other for the next, you know, month if it's a pilot, seven years um, if the series goes in some cases. Yeah, you're having like real significant encounters um, and everyone's trying to impress everyone and just trying to figure out if, you know, there's like going, are these women like going to be bitches? <laughs> right. Um, is this actor going to be difficult? <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, so that has been fun. And we have had great meetings with people yeah. um, for this pilot. Like that was a, such a fun process. We won't name anyone by names because that's just not kosher. But yeah. suffice it to say, it's been super fun. Yeah, it really has. Um, and that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at Happier here in Hollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to the wonderful Diane Sanfilippo. You can read her blog and listen to her podcast, Balance Bites, and find her books at balancebites.com. Thank you to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also, thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, where would you want to go to do a pilot if we were if we had to go somewhere? I don't know, maybe like, you know, I love Scandinavia. Mm. Stockholm, Copenhagen. All right, I'm going to vote for Hawaii. <laughs> you always vote for Hawaii. <laughs>